It's um, my privilege to um, lead you in the word today. Um, if you don't know me, I think everybody, if you don't know me, my name's Andrew and I am one of the pastors here and it's always um, one of the things that you notice when you hang around a church for a while and particularly in, in leadership in the office is just the, the ebb and flow of a church. People coming and going, different things happening, you know, different sort of themes happening in the service, different things happening in the life of the church and you know, even this morning, I'm just having all these impressions. You know, Christy's leaving. We've got camp coming up. We've got so many things happening. Um, but it's really good. My reflection is that it's really good to be able to do that with a family of people who um, are the same, who who believe what we believe, who understand what we understand, and that we've got each other's back. And I think that that's really important as a church. And it's great to see the life groups up here. And you know, that's just a picture of how a life group can be. And Mick said that life groups were starting this week, and they are. If you're not in one, let me just tell you that you're missing out. Pretty much. You are. It's, they are really good. We've got some really great life groups. There's room in some of them. It's a great way of building a relationship, um, supporting one another, caring for one another, but also growing together. And it really is. Um, the feedback we get is fantastic. And, you know, my life group's the best one, but... Um, there are some other good ones as well, I, I believe. No. We <laughs> We've been talking about renewal. Who's keen for renewal? All right, there's four of us. Let's start that again. We've been talking about renewal. Who's keen for renewal? I was thinking the word in the middle there is new. Who likes new stuff? Yeah, they've got more hands then. That was really good, wasn't it? Who loves it when you can get, you know, all the ladies, you can go and get new clothes for a new season of clothes, you know? We like new stuff. And it's interesting that the word new is in renewal. So that draws us into something that um, it's exciting when there's a new thing happening. Christy, I don't know if you're excited about going to Townsville or thinking, oh, yeah, you are excited. That's good. You know, we, we like new things. We like things when they change and when we feel like we're moving forward. Renewal's like that. And that's what we've been talking about the last three, two, three weeks. We're looking at renewal and we're excited about the fact that not only does um, God bring renewal to a sort of like a corporate entity or a group or a church, but he brings renewal to us as individuals, as human beings. And we get to contribute that into the corporate renewal. We've been looking at Hezekiah in Second Chronicles. We've been sort of zeroing in in a few chapters of the second book of Chronicles and um, looking at King Hezekiah and his reign of renewal. And, and he was relentless and methodical and just trumped and marched through renewal in, um, in the, 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 the uh, nation of Judah. Um, quick background again, if you haven't been here... Um, Hezekiah came right after his dad Ahaz, who was a absolute wicked, horrible, nasty, any other adjective that you can use, king. And he actually desecrated the temple, he shut its doors, he, he led the people into, into wickedness and away from God. Um, he did everything that you shouldn't do if you want to be a nation uh, following God or if you want to be a king that leads a nation following God. Hezekiah, his son, becomes a king and he is a good king. He's 25 year old, years old and it says that he did what was right. 
Because he sees the desperate need. His mother had brought him up right and told him the stories. And I spoke about this last week. I won't go back into all that again. But he sees a desperate need for restoration and renewal. And he gets on with it. He wastes absolutely no time in getting on with it. He immediately began the process of renewal, starting with the temple. We've got to fix the temple. We've got to clean it up. We've got to reconsecrate it. We've got to get rid of all the junk and the idols in there and everything that was done that that offended God. And he cleanses the temple, um, sacrificed in there, and consecrated it. The temple is now consecrated back to God. And the people had turned to wickedness and become totally God-despising and corrupt. And Joel spoke to us about that in the first week. And he talked to us, we are the temple in which Jesus dwells now. What idols are in our life? What sort of things need to be cleaned up? And we processed that together and we, we worked on that together in this process of renewal. So the temple's now ready to serve, but we're the people. And we talked about that last week. So we've got the temple ready, Hezekiah said, but we've really got to deal with the people now, the things that, the, the unfaithfulness and, and the uncleanness that was, was in the people. So Hezekiah turns his focus to the people. There was going to need to be a sacrifice. We found out there had to be a sacrifice for sin. Animals had to be slaughtered and they brought in animals. And um, there was a sacrifice for unfaithfulness. And we found out the people would need to recognize it and respond, and they did. They responded in joyful worship, in shifting their attention from all of the things that they were focused on back to God. We saw that the sacrifice was made in abundance. The people did respond in praise and worship, but they reset their lives to worship and honor God. Renewal was happening. And you can see a process there, can't you? And we recognize that this was true for us as well, that, that our unfaithfulness demanded a sacrifice or demands a sacrifice. But we, we, saw, we, we, just got, we don't have lambs. We don't bring a lamb or a goat each Sunday and, and you know the leadership gets up here and slaughters the, the, and because we have the lamb. We have the lamb of God. We discovered we had a lamb. And we didn't have to bring the lamb. The lamb came to us and he gave himself for us. And we discovered that what a... And what a wonderful privilege, what a wonderful gift. And that, in turn, would bring our response, a response of worship, of focus, of of resetting our lives and saying, God, you are worthy. Renewal in our lives. And we finished with uh, with these words, and I just popped them back on a slide because I like them. And it finishes, Thus the service of the house of the Lord was restored. Kind of like, you know, yes, we're ready to serve God. True for them and true for us. But today we're going to go a little bit further. He, he's not finished yet and we're going to get practical today as well. Like we've done with the others, we've looked at what the principle is and we've decided, we've, we've said, well, let's practice that. We're going to get practical today as well. Hezekiah isn't finished with his drive for renewal. The systematic march and, and all-encompassing um, focus is that I've got to bring um, we've got to bring ourselves, our temple, our, our, who we are, our nation into renewal and everything that, looks, that that looks like. Because renewal is dynamic and it's manifest in actions and works. The temple has a purpose and it's been idle. We've got this temple ready and it has a purpose. This is for something and it's been idle. Renewal and the temple service needed restructure needed structuring, it needed service, and it needed engagement. And this is what we're going to look at today. We're going to, go and t- we're going to look at 
the temple's ready, the people are ready, we're ready to, we've turned our faces back to God, we now need to see structure and order and service and engagement. The house of the Lord is restored and ready and what does that look like? What is this service and that going to look like? Well, the first thing he does, one of the first things he does once he's got the temple um, restored and the people are restored and consecrated, he reestablishes one of the most sacred, important practices, the Passover. Let's have a look at that. If you've got your Bibles, you can follow it on the screen, but let's have a look at 2 Chronicles chapter 30 and let's look at the first five verses there. So remember, just if you can follow, the, and I've given you a quick up, uh, remember if you can follow the process, he's got the temple done, it's cleaned, ready to go, the people are cleaned, ready to go, we're ready to serve God, what have we got to do? This is what he does. Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah and wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel. For the king and his princes and all the assemblies in Jerusalem had taken counsel to keep the Passover in the second month. For they could not keep it at that time because the priests had not consecrated themselves in sufficient number, nor had the people assembled in Jerusalem. And the plan seemed right to the king and all the assembly. So they decreed to make a proclamation throughout all Israel from Beersheba to Dan that the people should come and keep the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel, at Jerusalem, for they had not kept it as often as prescribed. And so the first thing he does is he, he, he realizes we need to reestablish a really important part of what the temple's for. We need to celebrate Passover. And if you read between the lines, you think we're supposed to be doing it now, but we, do not, we don't have enough priests ready yet. So we're going to delay it a month. And we don't have the people here yet because we want everybody in on this. It goes on, if you read on, it goes on where he sends out all these couriers to go out far and wide in all the lands and tell the people, come on in because it's time, it's been a long time, we're ready, we're going to celebrate the Passover. It's a bit late, no matter, let's get the people here because this is important. Passover, this was one of the key functions of the temple. They were commanded to celebrate the Passover. Why? Because it served to remind them of what God did for them when they were slaves. It reminded them how great their God is, how much He loved and cared for His people, how He hears their cries. He listens to them when they're, when they're suffering. And it reminded them of the power that He had to rescue and save them. And those things were worth remembering and celebrating. And that's why they were commanded to have the Passover. It kind of, this is how the people kept their eyes and their focus and their worship on God. Remember last week, we, they re reset their eyes and focus on God. How do you keep that alive? You remember how great God is. You remember what He did. And it kind of might have, it went like this. It was a big celebration. And if you read this, you'll see that there, you know, you'll, you'll read between the lines. There wasn't enough priests. This was going to be big. This was going to take a lot of work. And they brought in people from everywhere. So this is a big party. This is the Passover. And it would have gone something like this. Re you know, conversations like, remember when we were enslaved by wickedness? 
you know, when Pharaoh enslaved us, when we were in Egypt, remember that. Remember how God rescued us. And it might have been told like this. You know, might have been, they might have used this and they'd turn to each other or to their children or, or to friends and said, you know, remember God passed through the land of Egypt and struck down the firstborn of every household. But we, we had been told to mark our doors with the blood of a lamb we were to sacrifice that night. The Passover offering. And we put the blood on the doorpost and so God passed over our homes. And then they would give thanks for being passed over and protected from all of the things that came. And death and then being rescued by God. And so for Hezekiah, this was a key moment for the people as well. Because now too, even though it was late and, and out of timing, this nation had yet again been enslaved, hadn't it? By wickedness. But this time it was Ahaz. And they'd been led away. It wasn't Pharaoh in Egypt this time, but they were still slaves. They'd been enslaved. And he knew this was an important moment. The Passover, was a, they needed to remember. And so he gathers them and he needed to remember the Passover, a reminder that their God loved them. Last week we talked about they'd sacrificed lambs and God's wrath had passed over them. They'd been consecrated. They'd been set free. They'd been renewed. And the first and most important thing they needed to do was celebrate the Passover and get that back in. What an event. It was for everyone. And th they needed to involve everyone. They needed to be open for everyone. Even as people came from far and Hezekiah recognized, even more people come in, he recognized, oh my goodness, these people need cleansing as well. And the Passover lamb was sacrificed again and they go through sacrifices again because Hezekiah wanted renewal for all, healing for all Israel, not just Judah where he was the king and God heard him. Have a look in your Bibles and we'll read a little bit. We'll read a few more verses in chapter 30 still. We're looking at verses 17 to 21 and just to get a picture of that, how all-encompassing this was and how the invitation was for all to be cleansed. For there were many in the assembly who had not consecrated themselves. You can imagine people had come from far and wide and they hadn't been part of the, what we talked about last week, of the first um, wave of people. Therefore the Levites had to slaughter the Passover lamb for everyone who was not clean to consecrate it to the Lord. For a majority of the people, many of them from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar and Zebulun, hadn't cleansed themselves yet. I hadn't, had not cleansed themselves, yet they ate the Passover, otherwise than prescribed. For Hezekiah had prayed for them, saying, May the good Lord pardon everyone who sets his heart to seek God, the Lord, the God of his fathers, even though not according to the sanctuary's rules of cleanness. And the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. And the people of Israel who were present at Jerusalem kept the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days with great gladness. And the Levites and the priests praised the Lord day by day, singing with all their might to the Lord. It gets bigger and bigger, isn't it? This is how important Passover is. And it gets extended. If you read further, he extends it. This party's going so well, let's go another seven days. How would you like that? This sermon's going so well, let's go for the rest of the day. Okay, maybe not. But it does, it gets extended. And, and when you read it, and, and of course we don't read this sort of stuff that often. When you read it, you sort of think, wow, this was really important. This was really meaningful to them. And I wonder, and I challenge myself whether I capture 
some of that meaning myself. This was renewal turboed. This was really, really bringing it into their hearts and they were really beginning to believe that this amazing God just you know, needed to be served and worshipped. This was a really important structural part of the renewal process. It wasn't just a tradition or a habit. It had deep meaning and impact. And there was great joy. We read that in verse 26 and I put, up, I put that on the slide. So there was great joy in Jerusalem for since the time of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. How cool is that? Nothing. This was big. This was great. So what about us? How do, how do we plot? We don't have the Passover. We can't tell stories of remember when we slaughtered the lamb and put the, uh, put the blood on the front letterbox so Australia Post passed us by. And, you know, we don't have that kind of thing, do we? We don't sacrifice lambs, etc., like I said. Because the lamb, the lamb of God, Jesus, was sacrificed once for all for us 2,000 years ago. But 2,000 years is kind of, you know, like Chinese whispers, it, it, you know, it, it loses its impact. Is, it ever, is that just me or does it happen to all of us? You know, it's kind of, do we, we, we don't share in that sense of excitement that they must have had sometimes. So while we don't have the Passover, Jesus did command us to remember and believe, didn't he? He did say remember and believe because we have the Lord's Supper. And this is how we tell each other, remember when. Remember when I was enslaved in sin. Remember when I wasn't redeemed. Remember when I was an enemy of God. Remember when I wasn't living the kind of life that I'm commanded to live. And yet God, as he said in Romans, and yet while I was still sinning, yet God gave his life for me. We have the Lord's Supper because that's how we tell each other. We don't have feasts that go on for days. Because we too, you and I, we were enslaved by wickedness, albeit our own doing, and needed to be set free. And Jesus did that. His blood was shed, his body was broken, and a sacrifice was made. We might not always recognize and acknowledge it, and, and I'm guilty of that. I was thinking this week, you know what, I don't. I can go through Lord's Supper, I can go through, and I don't even recognize and acknowledge the significance of it. But this is a part of renewal too. We said we were excited for renewal, right? This is a part of renewal too. I need to be reminded that I've been cleansed and consecrated, that I needed a sacrifice for my unfaithfulness and that Jesus was willing to become that sacrifice. I need that reminder regularly. I fall very easily into thinking that I'm pretty okay. I get oblivious to my lack of faithfulness and my eyes quickly are more focused on me than they ever are on God in my life. So Jesus knew what he was saying when he told his disciples to do this in remembrance of me. He knew he was instituting something that we were going to need, that was going to be really important. Do this, guys, in remembrance of me. Remember what I did. Remember this lamb was a sacrifice once for all. And when we remember, like God's people did, how much God loved us and how he set us free, we then celebrate and we ought to have joy like we read. We need our, we need our own Passover regularly, don't we? And we call it Lord's Supper. So we're going to do that right now. We're going to practice Lord's Supper. We, we, we talked about we're learning principles and we're going to do it. We're going to get practical and we're going to have Lord's Supper right now. Um, and I want... 
as we're celebrating Lord's Supper, I want that echo of what we've just talked about to be in your mind, of imagining the Passover, imagining the excitement of them telling the story to others. Remember that we were doomed. We were done for. And then God rescued us right out of the clutches of Pharaoh and he brought us to the promised land. And remember those words echoing. When we celebrate, when we remember and believe, we were doomed, we were done for. And yet Jesus came and said, that's not the end of the story. I'm going to give myself, I'm, I'm offering up myself in obedience. And he instituted that when he was at, with the disciples and, and um, they had no idea. And, and I'm not sure, I knew they would have known the traditions of Passover and everything. But they didn't know it was all going to change exponentially. And so they had no, in, no understanding of the significance of what Jesus was saying. And yet they knew somewhere that the words that he was saying to them at, at that supper were important. That they, they should remember them, that they should be important. And he said as he took the bread and he broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. They knew of lambs being slaughtered, but this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Tell each other the stories after I'm gone. And then he took the cup and he, as he poured it, he said, and my blood, this is my blood and it's poured out for you. When you get together, do this in remembrance of me. Remember what I did. You know the, the blood is shed of goats and lambs, but this is my blood shed for you. I'm just going to invite the leaders to come on forward. And what I want us to do is come forward and take the elements as we normally do. And then when we've all got the elements, I want us to um, turn to the person next to us or turn to another person and just share it with each other. And I want you to, to use words like, Jesus' body was broken so you could be restored and Jesus' blood was shed so that you can be invited into renewal. And just say that to each other. Take part of that and, and I'll, I'll kick us off when we're ready to do that. And then just pray for each other quickly. Can we do that? A little bit different today? We're good with that? So come on forward and, and, and grab the, the elements and then we'll, we'll do that and I'll introduce that. I did. It is on. Yeah, okay. Um, turn to the person next to you or someone or someone's and share the, the bread and the, the juice with them and just use words like Jesus' body was broken so that you could be restored and Jesus' blood was shed so that you could be invited into renewal. And then just pray for each other quickly, just a short prayer of blessing. Can we do that? Let's do that. God, thank you that we can remember and more importantly, that we can believe that your body was broken, your blood was shed, so that we could be restored, that we could be, uh, that we would no longer be slaves, but they would be set free, and that we can freely walk into renewal, into that newness with you. Lord, we thank you that you, you've done that for us as individuals, but we thank you that we can celebrate that as a community, that we can remind each other that we've been redeemed, that we've been restored, and that we've been renewed. Lord, what a joy that is, and what a privilege it is to be able to do that. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
So that's what renewal looks like. That's the practice of renewal when a community gets together and reminds each other of what God did, of how great God is, and how, you know, and the interesting thing is, and of my life is, He rescued me out of slavery, but He's also rescuing me out of slavery, always, daily. And I need that. And so it's wonderful to have that reminder of what God does. That's what renewal looks like. He doesn't finish there. We've got another one today. The next thing Hezekiah does, and he, as he romps on into his renewal, he makes sure the service of the house is restored, that the renewal process continues. The service of the house is restored, and for the renewal process to continue, he needs to organize service in the temple to get the people giving and to resource the work of the temple. So there's the two things he does. He's organizing service in the temple and he's getting people to give into the temple. So I want to have a bit of a read in um, 2 Chronicles chapter 31 and it'll be on the screen again, but if you've got it in your Bibles, have a look with me. We're going to read from 2 till 10 to get a little bit of a picture of what was happening, what he did next. From verse 2, 31 verse 2, And Hezekiah appointed the divisions of the priests and of the Levites division by division, each according to his service, the priests and the Levites for burnt offerings and peace offerings, to minister in the gates of the camp of the Lord and to give thanks and praise. The contribution of the king from his own possessions was for the burnt offerings, the burnt offerings of morning and evening and the burnt offerings for the Sabbaths, the new moons and the appointed feasts, as it is written in the law of the Lord. And he commanded the people who lived in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priests and the Levites, that they might give themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the command was spread abroad, the people of Israel gave in abundance the first fruits of grain, wine, oil, honey, of all the produce in the field, and they brought it in abundantly, the tithe of everything. And the people of Israel and Judah, who lived in the cities of Judah, also brought in the tithe of cattle, sheep, the tithe of dedicated things that had been dedicated to the Lord, their God, and laid them in heaps. In the third month, they began to pile up heaps and finished them in the seventh month. Let me just say that again. They started giving in the third month and they finished in the seventh month. That's four months of giving. I had to read that twice. When Hezekiah and the princes came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and, the peop- and his people Israel. And Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites about the heaps. Azariah, the chief priest who was of the house of Zadok, answered him, Since they began to bring the contributions into the house of the Lord, we have eaten and had enough and have plenty left for the Lord, for the Lord has blessed his people so that we have this large amount left so far. Now, that was a lot of people and a lot of giving. That's huge. The storehouses were empty the, the, and it was time to give. And it goes on further. If we read further, it goes on further as he points more and more to serve wider and wider, not just in the temple now, but also out in the regions and out into the places that uh, God's work was happening. There's so much generosity and resource that it needs managing. It'll need administering for long and it'll need administering far out from the temple and far out from, from Jerusalem, the city. Now, I note here that the temple wasn't just a church. This wasn't just church. It was how society served the needs of the people. It was the way that 
um, society that the, the needy were taken care of, those who were struggling were taken care of, the priests were taken care of. It's where things, where um, adjudication happened, the temple became a place where society was run out of. It was more than just a church. It was part of the social structure and social welfare. So having people to serve and do the work was really, really important. Now the service or serving in the temple wasn't just for the church service or its ministries. It was for the community. It was for the society and the needs. And I guess perhaps after a time of unfaithfulness under Ahaz, they probably needed a reboot. It needed a boost. Things had not been taken care of. The poor had been neglected. The temple had been neglected. The needs had been neglected. The tithes and offerings were initially for the priests and Levites first so that they would be resourced and they'd have no needs and they could you know, they continue to minister and serve the, the, the community um, without having to uh, worry about themselves. But they were also for the community around them and the needs further abroad. Remember, the temple was where society worked out of. So the, the tithes and offerings were definitely for the priests and Levites but also further for the needs and, and the things that needed to be done. This was a reflection of God's abundance to them. Their response, we read, was a, was a sense of we've celebrated the Passover. God has been great. We've partied for like two weeks straight, remembering how good God is. And this is now a reflection of God's abundance to them. Their needs were met by God. And so through them, God would now meet the needs of the temple, the city, and far abroad. And he would meet the needs of those serving and those in need. In abundance, and verse thirty-one, uh, and thirty-one, verse five struck out at me. You know, right in the middle of our reading, where it says, "As soon as the command was spread aboard, the people of Israel gave in abundance." Like as soon as they, they were still fresh with this sense of God is bringing renewal, and as soon as they heard, they gave in abundance. It's immediate. There's an overflow of generosity and abundance as a response to God's work of renewal in their temple, but also in their lives. To see the temple equipped to carry out the service of the Lord far and near. They wanted to be part of that. It was beyond the norm. It was joyful and generous and it was outpouring. If you read it, and I read it a couple of times, and if you read it, you, and, and both those chapters, there's a sense where there's so much joy. You know, They did it cheerfully, happily. They gave in abundance. And the language is all around. All around this is joy and celebration. And I thought, you know, I have a confession to make here. And I was reading that, I started asking myself, I started thinking, giving in me, joy doesn't often come up. What about you? I'm serious, you know, I started thinking, you know, abundant giving, they were, they were more than happy to give. And, and I thought, wow, I have a, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a begrudging giver a lot of the time. I'm a bit of, well, how much do they need? You know, how much extra do we should we give this year? Okay. Is that just me? You know, or someone gets up the front, we need media people, we need service. You know, or someone comes up and goes, can you do this? And, you know, because I want people to like me, I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you shouldn't always say yes, that's true. But I'm a bit of a begrudging giver. I'm, I was struck by, I was convicted by the fact that my giving, A, it isn't always in abundance, if I'm going to be honest. And B, it isn't surrounded by joyfulness and cheerfulness and 
You know, am I just speaking to me? I, you know, there's a lesson here for me in that, and I think there's a lesson for us. They want to worship God with their service and their resources. They wanted to make a statement to their king and God. There was so much. Can you imagine the buzz? Renewal, the renewal of, of Judah and the renewal of the temple and the people and, and, and the nations and all Israel would be marked and reflected by a desire to serve and a desire to be abundantly generous with tithes and offerings so that, not just for the sake of it, so that the service of the house of the Lord could do its work. An increase in service and generosity was a reflection of how restoration was happening and how their lives, with all they had, was now redirected to God via the temple. This is Hezekiah's relentless march into renewal. This is what renewal looks like. Renewal is nice. The nice part is you get restored and all your sins are forgiven. Renewal keeps going, doesn't it? How does this apply to us? Well, it applies to me, definitely. And I want to make this practical today too. I want to apply this as we would the other things that we've been learning. I'd like us to respond as a community, a response to the grace and the generosity of God that we've just celebrated in the Lord's Supper as well. The people of Israel responded willingly and with joy because they were incredibly aware of how much God had done. In fact, they were stunned that God would still deliver them and still do that for them. Well, we wanted this, this theme of renewal to apply to us as well. And we saw that God was doing something with one hope. As we receive the call to renewal, we want to respond to what God's done. And we want to reflect it practically to express our joy and our readiness. And I think we can all, I believe we can all respond in some way in this. <clears throat> some of us in bigger ways and some of us in smaller ways. I was thinking of that, you know, young people, uh, younger people, older people, um, well off, less well off. Generosity looks different for each person, doesn't it? And each situation. I'm guessing the Israelites were different too. I'm guessing there were people with big herds and small herds, right? I'm guessing there were people that had big lots of land and, and not so much land. But they were still generous, even if the amount was different. They were still sacrificial and they were still generous. They still extended. Generosity is extending beyond sometimes where you feel comfortable. As we look at the work of the house of the Lord here at One Hope, the people of the Lord and, and the work of this house, here in Scoresby and beyond, how can we, how can you give generously, practically, sacrificially? The work of the house of the Lord's diverse here. We do lots of different things. We, church services is only one of the few things that we do. It's very diverse and it takes a lot to keep it going. It takes time, it takes service, it takes people to serve, it takes money, it takes gifts, it takes special skills that, that some of us have. And I want to encourage us all to give generously and practically this morning as an acknowledgement of God's work. Now, this is not a suggestion that we don't already give. Many of us, if not most of us, do. But today is this act of more, is this, this step of renewal. So we're into this renewal. We, we're doing this. A response to the overwhelming and costly generosity of God. So just like Lord's Supper, reflecting on it, we want to reflect on this. And, you know, I was thinking when I was planning this, I'm thinking, oh, you know, this is probably a little harder and maybe a bit unusual. 
we don't do this sort of stuff. Maybe it's a bit confronting. You know, when, when you start talking about generosity, everyone starts looking at their shoelaces, you know, or Velcro if you don't have shoelaces yet. It's confronting. It's hard. It's unusual. It's uncomfortable. It's not what we're used to. And even I find that, back to my confession, this whole giving and joy thing, I'm thinking, ah, I don't know about this. I don't know how, I, how much I like this. My prayer is that we'll allow God to use us and work renewal in us and in our church, even in this way. And here's how I want to do it. This is what I want to do this morning. And you will notice that, um, you will notice that you've, there's in the aisles, and there's a few, I know some of your aisles don't have them, but in your aisles you've got a little pack of paper and a little pack of pens if you can reach down to those. And if you're in an aisle that doesn't have them, I happen to have a few spares here. Here's one I prepared earlier. So which aisles don't have them? This aisle doesn't. And I think this group here doesn't. What I'd like to do is I would like us to respond today, now, in generosity. And the generosity looks different for everybody, like I said. And I've put up, and it's a little bit small, but I've put up a few suggestions. But you could think of your own. But here's things that I know that that we could do. Here's ideas that we have. And maybe you could think up your own thing. Maybe you could... Um, but I want us to think about what could I do to make a statement today, be generous with either my time or my gifts or my skills or my money or something. And here's a few ideas. Sign up and help at Breakfast Club. That's an hour and a half of a Friday morning to get with Joel and a few others and come and see some kids here and serve them breakfast and have a chat with kids. Sign up and do that. Provide morning tea for mainly music. It costs $25 a week for fruit for mainly music. Maybe you say, let me fund that for six months. I'm getting creative here. Sponsor a Village of Hope child for a year or longer, $60 a month. Hope Builders is struggling at the moment. I don't mind telling you we are really doing it tough financially, trying to even make a monthly budget to send money for food and that. We could use help. Please, if you can. Mentor a young adult. That could be two hours a month where you say, look, you know, I could mentor somebody for two hours a month. That's what I'm going to give. It could be... Help YSU. YSU, we're halfway through building crisis housing for people in crisis, three little units. We've gotten halfway, we've run out of money. We need $10,000 to finish it. Maybe you could be a part of that um, to finish that off. Invite someone over for dinner each month. Make a decision to invite someone for dinner each month um, and into your home, hospitality. Offer transport to Life Group for someone who can't drive. This is probably more applicable for young adults. You might have to drive way out of your way. But hey, we're giving generously. Invite to drive someone to. Volunteer at Knox Church's soccer club. See Johan and say, how could I help? You know, we have a relationship with that club. We want them to know that we pray for them, that we care for them, and that we, we see that as a mission field. How can we help them? Offer a meal a month towards the care team's work. Go and see the care team and say, look, I'm going to cook one meal a month. Here it is. Use it as you see fit. Take part in, take part in or volunteer for Go the Extra Mile. That's easy done. Commit to Sunday early morning prayer fortnightly, which is going to start soon. Offer a specific gift or skill to the church or to the care team to be used. Maybe you're good at something. Say, look, you know, I'm willing to give 10 hours to do this because I'm good at it. Let's do that. Uh, support Hope Builders with money. I've just told you we would desperately be thankful for that. Serve One Hope on a Sunday. That could be media, creche, greeting, Bible reading, and there's probably more things. Talk to Phil or one of us. 
offer to help cover a bill for someone just because I put that in there. Go up to someone and say, have you got a bill? Here, I want to contribute 100 bucks to that just because. You're good looking. So don't all come to me because of that though. You know. Sponsor someone for camp. Maybe they don't even need it. It's not about that. Say, so I'm going to pay for your camp. Sponsor and encourage someone to take a mission trip. There's a good idea. Now those are just ideas. There could be other things. Now here's the thing. This is uncomfortable. This is tough. But I want you to write your name on the paper. Because it doesn't work if you're not accountable. Because giving is sacrificial, and you might have only you know you might only have twenty bucks, and say, "Well, look, I've only got twenty bucks. Twenty bucks works if you're giving it to Hope Builders or to mainly music or someone. So everyone can be part of this. You might have some hours to spare where you can do something. Like I said, it might not be up there. So I'm going to give us five or seven minutes. Caleb's going to put some music on. I want you to write your name on it. If you're a couple and you need to discuss it, you can discuss. And then there's a box up the front here. And we're finishing the service like this. We're not going to do it. We're not having, I'll finish the service off. We're not having any more songs. There's a box up here and I want you to put them in. This, guys, listen up for a minute. This is just as spiritual as that. Make no mistake. This is drawing us into renewal. In my case, sometimes kicking and screaming. Just as much as that is. So I really pray that we take this seriously. And I really pray that we see an abundance of joy, generosity, and stuff come out of it. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would release generosity in us this morning. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Help us to understand what you're saying to us and how we can respond in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Five or seven minutes. When you've got something written down, drop it in the box. So what? keep coming if you're still coming that's fine um just want you to um recognize just want to be grateful for everyone's contri- contribution but ask you to pray into it this week and pray that you know sometimes when i make decisions <laughs> you know i kind of i kind of wane the week goes on monday tuesday and a, a bit of distance between the decision and i try to lose my just pray that god would give you the the courage or the tenacity and the willingness and the joy to continue to give the way that you've committed to give. And um, not just that. Don't make it just about the thing. But just be thanking God for inviting you into renewal, for the restoration, for saying this is part of something way bigger than me giving. This is the kingdom at work. You know, One Hope Community Church is a church, but we're just one of the churches that God uses for the kingdom at work. And you're just one of the people. This is the kingdom of God at work. And let's be praising God for calling us back again and again and wanting to use us to build his kingdom. Amen? Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you for that. We want to recognize and acknowledge you, your greatness, your mercy, your grace. And we just want to acknowledge that, that even though you didn't have to, you rescued us, that you invite us into renewal and you keep inviting us. Even when we're unfaithful again and again, you draw us back in. Lord, fill our hearts with joy, fill our hearts with gratitude and a willingness to say, yes, Lord, here I am. In Jesus' name, amen.